Right, I'm reading today from Genesis chapter 21 and 22, and I'm reading from the NIV. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And uh, it's just interesting here, the first few verses, like so much emphasis on God's faithfulness. The Lord was gracious, as he had said. The Lord did what he'd promised, and Sarah became pregnant at the very time God promised. Um, a few chapters before in Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham, promising this son, and descendants as numerous as the stars. Abraham believed God, but he and Sarah tried to figure out their own solution to the promise, um, instead of waiting for God to follow through. Abraham slept with Sarah's servant Hagar, who gave birth to Ishmael. And at this point in the story, Ishmael is now a teenager. The child, that's, sorry, reading from verse eight. The child Isaac grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So Ishmael isn't the son God promised. Um, he's not the main focus in God's plan. He's actually a mistake in a sense. He's the, he's the result of Abraham and Sarah's own scheming and planning and mistrusting God basically. Um, but God still provides for him. Right, verse 22. At that time, Abimelech and Vigal, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. 
Show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who's done this. You didn't tell me and I only heard about it today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock and Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? He replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. So after Abraham's deceit about Sarah in the last chapter, saying she's just his sister, um, Abimelech the king uh, now comes to Abraham seeking a treaty. Uh, despite Abraham's failings, God's still with him in everything he does. And Abimelech recognises that and doesn't want to be on Abraham or God's bad side. And so Abraham deceived him in the last chapter. So Abimelech saying, swear to me, you won't deceive me again. And Abimelech sort of let him off the hook in the last chapter after Abraham's mess with him. Like, this is the king. And he says, swear to you, you'll be loyal to me um, as I have been to you. You know, show the same kindness. All right. Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from he heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So God tests Abraham and asks for his precious promised son. Um, a seemingly impossible task but Abraham obeys it. Um, he gets up early the very next day and goes about doing what God said. And God blesses that obedience um, and doesn't just bless Abraham's family for that either. But um, in verse 18, we say, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19 says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from, the de from death. Um, we can't really know for sure all of God's reasons that he tested Abraham, especially in this way, but um, what we do know is that, yeah, it's... Uh, like the foreshadowing of Jesus in this passage is so massive and clear. Um, and it starts uh, in the first couple of verses of chapter 22, um, where God, <laughs> it almost seems like he's rubbing it in. Your son, your only son, your son who you love. Um, and we see that this is the way that God talks about Jesus uh, in Mark chapter 1 verse 11, it says, A voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you, with you I am well pleased. And Mark chapter 9 verse 7 says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Um, we see as well that Isaac is carrying the wood himself for the burnt offering that he was supposed to be the offering. He's carrying the wood himself. And we see that in Jesus as well, carrying his own cross. Um, we see Isaac's submission um, doesn't say anything of a struggle or anything. I mean, he's, we don't know exactly how old he is in this story, but he, like Abraham's an old man and Isaac's old enough and strong enough to be carrying the wood for it. So we presume that if he really wanted to escape, he could. And Jesus is submissive as well. Like, uh, we read verses of him being silent before the accusers and, you know, he, he gave his life up. It wasn't taken from him. And then we have God's provision. Um, Isaac was to be sacrificed, but then God provides a ram instead to take his place. 
There is none for Jesus, is there? There's no last minute switcheroo, um, no voice calling from heaven right before he's about to be put on the cross saying, no, no, stop. No, God the Father willingly sacrifices his own son for us. He goes through that heartache. His son, who he loves, his only son, who he's well pleased with. Um, the wages of our sin is death. We are supposed to, we've earned, we've earned to die. Um, but in Jesus, God provides us with a lamb to take our place, just as he provided a ram to take Isaac's place. Um, John the Baptist said of Jesus in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I just wanted to finish by reading from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord.